one of the things we've talked about is that if you listen, if you develop the skills of listening, you really can hear God speak to you. And Jonah is a great example of that. Uh, he was one of the prophets of the Old Testament scriptures, and uh, he heard God say very clearly, I want you to go to this city called Nineveh and preach against it. And Jonah, if you remember the story, Jonah said, no way, no how, I'm not going there. So instead of doing what God called him to do, he jumped on a boat, and the Bible tells us he went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. How many of you know not a good idea to do that when God speaks to you? And if you know the story about Jonah, it wasn't a very good idea. And so last week we talked about the experiences that Jonah had on that boat sailing for Tarshish, and I'll catch you up on that story in a little bit. But today we're going to jump into Jonah chapter 2, and we're going to see what happens when Jonah finally called out to the Lord. Jonah chapter 2 is all about the prayer that Jonah prayed from the belly of that big fish. And uh, I think you'll find it very interesting. Now, if you've got the note cards that are in the seat pocket in front of you or on your chairs, uh, you'll see that those note cards are a little bit different than what I usually provide you with. This week, I just decided to give you the whole text of Jonah chapter 2. And as we walk through Jonah chapter 2, I'm just going to give you an opportunity to jot some notes in the margin of that text and, and write some things down as we go along. But I just want us all reading the same version. Uh, that, that version that you have on your note cards is from the New Living Translation. And you can just jot notes as we go along and talk about what happens when we finally surrender to God's call. And, and I think that many of you will find this very applicable for your lives today. What happens when we finally surrender to God's call. What do we do when we start talking back to God after we've heard him speak to you? Now, this, this chapter in the New Living Translation is called the Prayer of Jonah, and I was thinking this week about times when I have really had significant times of prayer in times of trouble. Have you ever been in trouble and you've just called out to the Lord? Uh, and, and, and it seems like sometimes we don't talk with the Lord very much until we get in trouble, right? And, and I don't know if that's true for you, but for lots of us, it seems like when the waves get really tall and the wind is blowing and we're in the middle of the ocean and the big fish is coming after us, that's when we finally call out to the Lord. I, I may have told this story once before, but I remember driving up to Canada one time with my sister and brother-in-law. Chris was with me. We were heading up to Calgary to uh, for a weekend away, and we had hotel reservations, and we were going to a show, and we were really very excited. My brother-in-law was driving this big, uh, I think it was a Ford Aerostar or something like that, you know, one of those minivans, and, and we were having a great time. We were so excited to get away, and, and, and we were looking forward to the whole thing, and Ron was driving. He had cruise control on, but it was February, as I recall, and as we were driving north, the weather was getting colder and colder and nastier and nastier, and pretty soon it starts snowing, and pretty soon the snow starts sticking to the pavement, and pretty soon we were just driving on packed snow and ice, and because we were having so much fun talking and anticipating what was coming, my brother-in-law just didn't think to click the cruise control off, 
And if you've ever worked with cruise control, you know you don't want to drive with cruise control in the snow and ice, right? And so we're driving and all of a sudden the back end of that van starts going like this and, and pretty soon it's doing 360s in the freeway and is nosing into the, into the ditch and my sister starts praying. Now I have the most respect for my sister. She loves the Lord. She's a godly woman, but her prayer just cracked me up at this moment. The van's nosing into the ditch and Julie starts saying, Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. One word, faster and faster and faster. Nobody was hurt and Ron was able to drive out of the ditch and we kept going. But that prayer has always stuck in my mind. It just cracked me up. And isn't that the truth? When we really get into trouble is when everything in us just turns us to prayer, right? And this is where Jonah was. This is exactly where Jonah was. Jonah chapter 1 tells us that Jonah didn't want to do what God had called him to do. And so he boarded a ship going in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. And, and, and just to catch you up on, on what happened in the story, he's in this ship. He's down in the hold and he's asleep. When God, the Bible says, sends a storm, and, and God is sending a storm because he wants to wake Jonah up. He wants to send him a message, hey, Jonah, I've got a plan for your life. But Jonah's sleeping. And then God sends the captain of the ship down into the hold to wake him up and say, come on, you've got to start praying. But here's the prophet Jonah, who's heard from God, not in the mood to pray. And so everybody else starts praying. All the ungodly people, the Gentiles, start praying to their gods that are not able to answer. The one person who knows how to pray to the living God is not praying. And so the, the storm gets so violent that, that the sailors finally decide to cast lots. What does that mean? Well, they, they just took a game of chance, whatever it may be, rolling dice or whatever. They cast lots to find out whose fault the storm was. These are pretty spiritual guys, right? And as God would have it, the lot fell to Jonah. And at that point, Jonah confessed and said, yeah, it's me. So they threw him overboard. And, and really, Jonah's still not in the mood to pray. But finally, at some point, he cries out to the Lord. And Jonah chapter 2 is a record of, of this prayer. Now, as we read through Jonah chapter 2, what you're going to find is that this is really a beautiful prayer. But we know that what the Bible says is that Jonah was in the belly of this big fish for three days and three nights. And so these 10 verses in Jonah chapter 2 are not the actual prayer that he prayed at the time. I think probably he was summarizing what he prayed here after the fact. Because probably as he's going down in that water, he's probably just saying, Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Or something like that. Probably not exactly that. But his emotions and his crying out to God probably encompassed many, many different subjects and thoughts as he went through this experience. But after the fact, he, he probably wrote this down. And, and you've seen the cartoons. I, I found this picture when I Googled it. You know, this is probably not what he looked like. I doubt, I doubt that there was fire in the belly of the whale. I doubt that there was pen and paper and that he was writing this psalm down. But what we find is that Jonah tells us that he was a prophet who wasn't in the mood to pray. And now at this point, he was praying. 
And I want us to read this together. So if you've got your note cards, you can follow along with me. All of these scriptures aren't going to come up on your screen, but you can follow along on your note cards. Or if you want to follow along in your Bible, you're more than welcome to do that too. Here's what it says, Jonah chapter 2. It says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. And he said this, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered. Now, there's a couple of things that I want you to see right here in in verse 2. Jonah said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. And if you're going to jot some notes down, I want you to underline those words, great trouble. Great trouble. And I've told you before that the Hebrew language that this book is written in, it's an ancient language, And the Hebrew language is a great language because it conjures up word pictures. It's a very pictorial language. And and this word here that is translated here, great trouble, is actually a word that, that is oftentimes translated tribulation. And it conjures up the picture of a woman in childbirth. Now, those of you that have ever been mothers, you know what that pain is like, right? It's awful. It's horrible. You never want to go through that again. Every time I talk to a woman who's had like major surgery or something, if she's a mother, she always compares the pain she's in now to the pain of childbirth. It's like 10 on the pain scale, right? It's what every other pain is compared to. And and this is the word that's being used here. Jonah's saying that he cried out to the Lord at that moment that his trouble was greater than any kind of trouble that he could have ever expected. And then he has this line, I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me. Would you just say that out loud with me? And he answered me. The main point that I want you to get today, and I left you a blank at the top of your page to write this down. This is what I want you to hear today. God will answer you when you call. God will answer you when you call. Call him. Here's Jonah. I can imagine that as he's sitting in the belly of the whale, he's feeling pretty guilty about his behavior. He refused to do what God called him to do, even when God sent the wind, when God sent the storm, even when God instructed the sailors to throw him overboard. As he's sinking, he's refusing to submit to the Lord. And yet, when he finally got to that point when he was at his greatest crisis, He didn't let guilt weigh him down to the point that he refused to call out to the Lord. And his experience was when God, when he called out to God, God heard. And that's true for you and me as well. God will answer you when you call on. Makes me think of a great scripture in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. You could jot that reference in your notes if you want to. In the New Testament says this, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Have you ever felt so guilty in your life? Have you ever known that God was giving you instructions to move in a certain direction, but you've gone in the opposite direction and then you feel so guilty that you can't bring yourself to call out to the Lord? What Hebrews says in Hebrews 4 is even at that time, we can come boldly to the Lord's throne and there we will receive what? Mercy. 
and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. And this was Jonah's experience as well. He found that when he cried out to the Lord, he answered. God answered him when he called out. Here's how he goes on to say it. If you're following along in your notes, this is what Jonah says. He said, I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. And here again, if you want to jot down some notes, the words land of the dead is a very important Hebrew word that is used all through the Old Testament. And that word is the Hebrew word sheol. If you've ever been in a Bible study, you may have heard this word, sheol. And here it's translated the land of the dead. If you've ever read the King James Bible, this word in the King James is translated very simply, hell. And Jonah was saying, I called to God from hell. I was in a place where I believed life was over. It was finished. I was done. There's nothing left for me. I am in hell. I'm in Sheol. I'm in the place of the dead. But I called to the Lord and he heard me. One of the things I want to ask you this morning is this. What hell are you living? What hell are you living through? For some of you, it might be the hell of a broken relationship, a, a, a broken marriage or a, a broken romantic relationship, maybe a broken relationship with your children, something like that, and it's made your life a living hell. I want you to know that if you call out to the Lord from the hell you're going through, God will hear you just like he heard Jonah. If you're going through the hell of circumstances. I'm, I'm thinking of some friends uh, of ours here in our Connect Church family who are going through a very difficult legal process and it's causing your lives to be hell. I want you to know, calling out to the Lord, He hears you. What hell are you going through? You can call out to the Lord and He will hear you. When you think your life is over, when you think that death is imminent, there's nothing left to live for, whatever the hell is, God is not through with you. God isn't through with you. But here's the problem. A lot of times when we pray, when we cry out to the Lord, we expect him to fix it with a poof, right? And, and we just think that if I ask the Lord for something, an answer means poof, it's better. But if you think about it with Jonah, that's not Jonah's experience, was it? God didn't just say poof, wind, go away, and we'll just have smooth sailing to Tarshish, and then I'll deal with Jonah when I get there. He didn't do that. And, and when the sailors threw Jonah overboard, and he's floating at the top of that sea, God didn't say, poof, here's a big log, and we'll just float that log into shore, and, and, Jonah, and I'll deal with Jonah when he gets to the shore. There was no poof for Jonah there. And, and I suppose when Jonah started sinking down into the depths of the sea, and and, and that big old fish was coming at him. I don't know about you, but those big sea creatures can be kind of scary, right? Uh, I love snorkeling. I love snorkeling. And, and Chris and I, whenever we have a chance to be in warm waters, we go snorkeling. And nothing scares Chris more than a big fish. Not, I remember one of the first times we ever went snorkeling. Uh, and, and, and these big old parrotfish, they were about this big around, but their mouths were about like this tiny, you know. And it scared Chris to death. You know, 
Can you imagine Jonah's terror when this big whale, whatever it was, this thing that was big enough to swallow him came after him? He had to have called out at God at that, at that moment, and perhaps God could have said, poof, I'm going to turn this guy into a SeaWorld dolphin, and I'm just going to ride Jonah all the way to the shore, you know, and, and poof, Jonah, you're okay. That's not how it was for Jonah. And this is one of the things that we need to know is that sometimes God fixes our situations through a process. And this was the experience of Jonah. Sometimes he fixes things in our lives through a process and we have to be patient to walk through the process with the Lord. It's Not easy, is it? It's not easy, but it's one of the ways that God works. Here's how... Jonah described this experience. Keep reading with me. He said, you threw me into the ocean depths and I sank down into the heart of the sea. And technically it was the sailors that threw him overboard. But Jonah understood it was the work of the Lord that was causing these events to occur. You threw me to the ocean depths. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. And then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like God has just driven you away from his presence? But here's what Jonah said, verse 4. Then I said, O Lord, you've driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountain. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. In other words, he believed that he was going to die. I, I can imagine that as he was praying this prayer the first time, he was at that point where he was out of breath. He was sinking. There was no air around him. And, and he was imagining, what is it going to be like for me to inhale and have water fill my lungs. That's what he is describing. Life is going to end here. And then he says this. Look at this next one. But you, O Lord. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of What I want you to hear this morning is if you're going through some sort of hell in your life, whatever it is, don't forget the but you moments where God has intervened in your life. And if you haven't experienced one yet, maybe this is the first time in your life when you have ever reached out to the Lord. Maybe today will be the first time that you're going to say, God, I need something from you today. I want you to know that Jonah experienced this moment when he said, but you, O Lord, snatched me from the jaws of death. The next verse says, as my life was slipping away, I remembered. I remembered the Lord. I am just sensing today, and I've been praying about this all weekend. I've been sensing that today, some of you are going to remember You've been going through things in your life and you have been trying to figure out what you can do to change your situation. You have brainstormed, you've researched, you've Googled it, okay? 
Yesterday, uh, Chris asked me to update her iPhone. And uh, those of you that have iPhones, you know, if, if you got the 3G iPhone, you know that, uh, that about six months ago, they put out a major update and you were supposed to update them. And of course, I updated mine, but uh, I never updated my wife's. And of course, as soon as I got the update process uh, going yesterday for Chris's phone, the whole system crashed and my computer wouldn't recognize her phone. It got locked on this screen. It was like the black screen of death. You know what I'm talking about if you do anything with, with computers. And I said, Chris, I think I lost all of your data. I think it's all gone. And uh, I got the death eyes. <laughs> so what do I do? I start Googling, right? I'm like, Google can fix anything. So I start, I start typing on all of my descriptions into Google, and I'm reading all these forums, all these chat things, you know, whatever it is, and I'm doing everything. And I could not recover her phone for anything. I worked for hours on that stupid phone. And you know what I did at the very last thing? I had this idea. I, I plugged it into a different computer, and then I took it back to the original computer, and I literally said, God, please restore her data. And you know what happened? The Lord restored her data. It was awesome. And she thought I was a rock star, but really. Really, as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And I tell that to be silly. But the truth is, what do we do in our lives? When trouble comes, when we're in trouble, we try everything, don't we? And sometimes the last thing we do is to say, oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. It's the last recourse instead of the first thing to say, God, I remember that you are the one who rescued me. Some of you today need to wake up and remember that it's the Lord who rescues you from the jaws. It's the Lord who rescues you from the jaws of death. Jonah goes on. He says, my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. And then the next verse, verse 8, Jonah warns us not to do what he did. Listen to what he said, verse 8. He says, those who worship false gods or those who worship idols turn their backs on all of God's mercy. I think that is such a powerful verse here in this prayer of Jonah. Those who worship idols turn their backs on all of God's mercy. You know, God wants to give you his mercy. But when we let other things take the place of God in our lives, we, we choose to turn our backs on all of the mercy that God has designed us. And I think this was autobiographical on Jonah's part. He's not talking about those pagans that threw him overboard, because at least they knew who the real God was. And, and when Jonah was identified as the culprit, they said, we're, we're getting rid of this guy. All right. He was talking about himself. He had turned his back on all of God's mercy. What were Jonah's idols? You know, he wasn't worshiping Baal or Ashtoreth, those, those gods of the Old Testament. His, his idols were things like prejudice. He hated the people of Nineveh. He had no tolerance for those Gentiles. And when God said, I want you to preach to them, he didn't want any part of it. And we're going to find out later in the book of Jonah that part of his problem was he hated those people. 
And when he finally did go preach to them, we're going to learn about this in the next couple of weeks. When he finally did go and preach to them and they repented and God had mercy on the Gentiles, Jonah lost his temper. Why? Because he was full of prejudice. That was one of his idols. The other idol that he had was the idol of self. And this is one of the things that I think most of us struggle with. We're not tempted maybe uh, to, to, to worship Buddha or, or a Hindu god or worship uh, the, the, the god of Islam. Uh, we don't have those temptations necessarily, but self becomes an idol. Uh, and there's so many ways that can manifest itself. Some of us are so consumed with our image, how we look, and, and working out and exercising and dressing right. That becomes an idol in our lives. Some of us idolize relationships, and everything revolves around this one person that is going to solve all of my problems. If I can just hang on to this relationship, everything's going to be okay. Some of us are obsessed with money and, and what we can earn and what we can, what we can achieve and investments and jobs and all of that kind of stuff. For others of us, it's all about what we can buy. Possessions is that idol that blocks us from really trusting in the Lord. Big one that I see here in the Gallatin Valley is the idol of adrenaline. And, and we're on to the next thrill that's going to give us that rush of adrenaline. And, and everything lies on that altar of recreation. And it blocks us from really trusting in the Lord. Or even just something as simple as success. We're constantly climbing the ladder. And God takes second place in our life to our careers and to the ladder of success. Jonah said, those who worship idols, whatever it is, turn their backs on all of God's mercy. And I want to ask you this morning, are you worshiping something other than God? Are you putting your trust in something other than God? Jonah went on to say this, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows. Now, What's interesting here is Jonah's in the belly of the whale when he's praying this prayer, right? He knew he couldn't go to the temple. He knew he couldn't offer sacrifices. He didn't know what God was going to do, but he made a promise. But then he, he finished the promise with this next line. Look at it on your note cards. He said, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Would you read that sentence out loud? For my salvation comes comes the Lord. Here's something I want you to write in your margin. You can't do anything to earn your salvation. You can't do anything to earn your, your salvation. You can say, God, I'm gonna I'm gonna clean up my act. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna capitulate to that temptation ever again. I'm going to break off that relationship that I know is leading me away from the Lord. I'm going to break this addiction that keeps me in this endless cycle. You can make all of these vows, and, and, and making promises is a good thing. But we've all got to understand salvation comes from the Lord alone. You can't do anything. You can't do anything to earn your salvation. The New Testament puts us this way in Ephesians chapter 2. Paul wrote, God saved you by his grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. 
Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. You hear that second verse? Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Would you look at your neighbor and just say that out loud? Salvation is not a reward for the good things you've done. Say it to your neighbor real, real loud. <coughs> Okay, now look at your neighbor and say this. You're not good enough. You, you can't be good enough, right? How many of you know that? You, you can't be good enough. And, and salvation comes from the Lord alone. And this is why I'm so thankful for Jesus. Because Jesus came and he offered himself a sinless person, the only person that ever lived that was good enough to earn his own salvation, Jesus. He died this perfect sacrifice so that we could come to Jesus and say, I trade all of my sinfulness for all of your righteousness. That's what salvation looks like. And it's not about cleaning up our act. It's not trying to be good enough and then coming to the Lord or, 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 or any of those kinds of things. It's just a simple act of coming to Jesus and saying, I know I'm not good enough and I need your grace and I receive salvation. Salvation comes from the Lord. That was verse 9, right? And then verse 10 is just this hilarious summary to the end of, of of the chapter. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. I love that. And for whatever reason, it makes me laugh. Because when Jonah finally realized that salvation comes from the Lord and that God wasn't ready for him to quit yet, Jonah called out to the Lord and he heard. What I want you to know today is that God will answer you when you God will answer you when you call. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know if you are living through some kind of hell that has made your life miserable. Or I don't know if God has spoken to you in some tangible way and you, like Jonah, have gone in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. I don't know what it is for you. But I know today that if you will remember the Lord... And if you will call out to him, he will rescue you. We're going to pray in just a couple of minutes. But before we do, what I'd like to ask you to do is just set your things aside. And would you stand to your feet and sing this song as John leads us? And then we'll pray together after we're done.